Welcome. My name is Kelly Bearden. I'm a classical musician turned creative entrepreneur, and this is the best platform for musicians that are looking to shape their career by thinking outside the box. Hey, Sam. Thank you for being here today. Super excited to jump in and talk about your career journey and musy and gosh, it feels like a, a wild ride. So I'm excited to learn a little bit more about how this all came to exist. Yeah. Why don't we kind of start in the beginning, if that's okay, right away. Tell me a little bit about your musical background. When did you start playing an instrument? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me. Um, <laughs> I started, I would think actually kind of late in the game. Mm. I'm still a kid, but I was about 13 when I got my okay. first instrument. So for, you know, for a lot of kids, they're five, six, seven, they're just getting instruments and going. I think the reason that I started late was my dad was a professional drummer in the 80s. So in the house, we had a drum set always in the basement. And I just didn't really gravitate towards the drums. So I just didn't play. Mm. And it was probably my sister took piano lessons and things like that. And it just never really clicked. And I think probably like 10 to 13, I started seeing my dad playing a lot in the basement and playing along to like these backing tracks and songs and all that. And thinking like, okay, that's actually kind of neat. Like, I wonder how I could get involved. And then finally it was, okay, I'll get a guitar because that's the other <laughs> side, right? So I remember for my 13th birthday, my, we went to Guitar Center, picked out the guitar and I think my dad could being a musician was like, okay, we're not getting like the starter pack. Like we've got to get something that's like good that you're actually going to grow with. And which I think was a good move in the end because it stuck. So, um, but that was a wise, much, a wise investment. Early right? on, yeah. <laughs> and I still have that guitar. So definitely oh, a good call. Oh, that's awesome. Um, oh my gosh. But you know, it's like, that was sort of the, for me, I took, we got the guitar home and it was actually kind of funny because we went like a week before my birthday. So he wouldn't let me use the guitar. So that started building this like anticipation to like the birthday. And I remember the day of my birthday, I sat down and I played for 30 minutes, just playing like C, G, and D back and forth. And that was it. I, it was that 30 minute okay. session. And I was like, all right, this is me. <laughs> I was like, I found it. And, and literally from that day forward, I never put down the thing. I think that's I, awesome. Yeah. And the cool thing too, is having a dad who was a drummer. For me, mm -hmm. I got spoiled because my dad also worked from home. So every single day after school, 2.30, I get off the bus my dad's at home. He goes into the basement. I go into the basement and we have a half hour, hour long jam oh session my God. every that day. That is so fun. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, well, so I'm sure he was so excited too, that you did show an interest at that point that he's like, anything you want, like we'll play anytime. <laughs> yeah. It, it got out of hand very quick. <laughs> um, my mom will be the one to attest to the, the bills <laughs> that probably started rolling in from Guitar Center and all the other, you know. Yep. But oh, you know, yeah. it, was, it was our thing. And, and it, the kid across the street also started learning drums too. So I oh, sort of fun. like had like a little band with him. And then of course I was like playing with my dad every night. So I was, I was very comfortable playing with other musicians right off the bat. So that was a really cool thing just as a kid. And then through high school and everything, I just kept playing for my 16th birthday. We basically turned the basement into a recording studio. And it really, it's just him vicariously using me as an excuse to, uh -huh. to, to go and I was do it. I say, I don't think you were the only one that benefited from that yeah, change. Exactly. <laughs> that small so, project. Right. So, you know, it was, and like I said, I was spoiled on that front. Like it was a very, very lucky opportunity for me. And because of that, I was able to actually start recording. So when mm. I was a kid, I thought I was going to be like a producer or something. Because I recorded nice. probably like 
10 of my friends' bands in the high school, all different, like, rap, metal, country, folk, like, anything they wanted to record, they would come over, and I'd play engineer, and, like, you know, try like to a little record. side gig, yeah. yeah <laughs> and so when I went off to college, I went to Berkeley, and my assumption was play in a band and become a producer. And mm. for the first two years, that is what I pursued. And I put my band did decently well for being a college band. Um, we're an instrumental heavy metal band, so we are like niche of niche. <laughs> um, but we got some really cool opportunities, some offers on record contracts, things like that. But it was all just too good to be true. <laughs> mm. And so that fell apart pretty quick. And so probably two years of all the fun and then within a week it was gone. Um, and then I was a little left scrambling trying to figure out what the hell I'm supposed to do now. Yeah. It's like I had thought for literally from the age of 13 to the age of 20 that I was going to be playing and being a producer or something. And so the next year of college was kind of a mess. I actually took a semester off and just sort of tried figuring out what to do. Um, and then I went back and I did film scoring for a semester and I oh, cool. hated it. I thought I was going to love it because I, I enjoyed composing and everything. And it was a really cool major, but I just couldn't do it. It's, <laughs> I'm just not that good at composing. And I had friends who, one of my friends went off to go work for Disney. And like, <laughs> so, you know, the, I was like comparing my work to theirs and I was like, nope, I'm not on the same level at all. <laughs> so, like, well, so, it, that's a hard go too. Cause if you're coming back into it later, yeah. I mean, obviously like some of these people had had a couple extra years on you and, and that focus, it's really hard if you're playing that comparison game then to decide like, this yeah. is where I'm going to go. hundred yeah. percent. And you're already comparing yourself to some of the best in the world. So it's, yeah. it's, you know, and so I really fell into that sort of like, what the hell do I do now? Like, and finally, I kind of figured out my other favorite thing is technology. I've always mm -hmm. been interested in writing software. I never did learn how to code eventually, but I've in, be, always been interested in how software works and all that kind of stuff. And at college, there was this pretty unique opportunity where you could essentially build your own major. And at that point, I was sort of like, didn't really have a choice. I kind of had to do that because I had done so many random things through the last like two and a half years. I was like, all right, I need to solidify this into something. It's a, it's a bachelor of arts and Sam's favorite things, right? <laughs> so, at a certain point you're like, all right, this has to have a focus. And so for me, education technology sort of just fell into the, the spot. And mm. it was really because of the classes that were being offered. I had opportunities cool. to take some technology classes, some education classes, and then there was this really unique class that they were doing, which was half of the class was MIT and half was Berkeley. So one professor from MIT, one professor from Berkeley, and the idea was to build startups. And so it was the startup incubator idea. And so um, we were like, I think the first or second cohort to go through this program. Okay. Um, but my, I was the only person to actually produce a product by the end of the class. So fortunately, again, my dad, after being a musician was a software developer. So Helps. we just went back to our old ways of, of jamming on the, you know, the afternoon oh, this awesome. time, put down the drums and picked up the laptops. And basically from middle of college to the end of college, I was working with my dad hand in hand to develop these practice apps for college students. That's really and cool. Essentially the idea was you would, if you ever done like a proficiency test, they always have like 50 different things you have to have. It's like these scales and these keys, these chords, yeah. these, and it's just so many things that I was getting so overwhelmed with that plus all my other curriculum 
the, the idea with the original app was to basically have somewhere you could say, I need to get all this stuff done by a certain date. And then mm. it would retroactively build a practice routine for you. So you had like a guided program to follow through. Um, it was a pretty cool concept and it, it, it was fun to mess around with. And fortunately, Berkeley were the first customers of it. Because <laughs> we were basically the only products that came out of their, their incubator. So they... I think they, they had some buy-in early yeah, on. Yeah, they felt like they might need to sort of like swoop that up and, and yeah. sort of give it a little push. And so it, that was a big help for us. You know, we got a ton of experience from actually working with the college and getting ideas on how it, how it would work at scale, things oh, like yeah. that. And yeah. then for four years or so, we ran that business. And um, it didn't go where we wanted it to go. You know, it's the first of a few fails. Um <laughs> And it was, you know, really four years was too long. About two mm. years in, we probably should have pulled the plug because it just kind of kept spiraling. We, the practice app became a lesson management thing that became a, you know, a scheduling tool, that became a billing tool that basically it was a My Music Staff competitor by the end mm. of it. And that was never where we were going with it but it just sort of went that way. Well, isn't it interesting? That's something that I think all entrepreneurs deal with, especially musicians. Like you listed in school, all of the different things that you were doing and trying and working on. How after school, then do you narrow that list down again? Like, how do you get your brain to stop saying like, I'm in ensembles and chamber and my lessons and another band and I'm playing all my friends' compositions. Like, how do you pair down that list again and focus? That's like a, that's a real issue that we apply to our lives ongoing. (laughs) Absolutely. And and fortunately, you know, as we kind of got to the point with the product, we started seeing that it just wasn't latching in the way we wanted it to. So because it was still me and my dad in charge of everything, we just started brainstorming other ideas. (laughs) What else can we do? You know, this is doing well enough that we can just let it kind of go and then build something else. And when we're ready, we'll shut that one down, move everyone over. And basically that's sort of what happened, except the second thing we built never even got released. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the journey is long, you know? So we, um, we built this app that was basically like, uh, you, you play and it would listen to you play and give feedback on your performance. Uh, at the time, microphones and cameras and stuff on your phones were not really good enough to, yeah. to do that. Um, nowadays there's tons of like note flights and things like that that do it great. Um, but that was sort of the concept we'd been working with. So for another year or so, we built out that one and that didn't really go anywhere. And so I did end up go taking like a sales job at a software company just to pay the bills. Um, and then well, and you learn the ins and out a little bit. That's not the end of the world too, right? Get some experience there. <laughs> actually, something was kind of funny. The first job I took was a very much like a cold call center. You're just like sitting calling all day. But the second job like two months later there was an, an opportunity to do sales for a tutoring company and so oh. that i was like oh i want to work there yeah. so i went and worked for them for a year and that actually was a massive amount of learning because i, I it was all public school tutoring so mm. I, I all i did all day was call school principals so i got very good at talking to teachers again and then it started like kicking back the whole like well yeah, I want to work with teachers again. Like, I, this is mm. this is my world. And so we started building Musi. It was uh, 2019-ish when we started working on it. And then it's obviously, we launched it January 10th, 2020. And within a few weeks, every single person was online. So that was just lucky timing. But 
<laughs> fortunately for us, the concept for Musi was actually slightly different than what it is now. We were trying to do this sort of on-demand marketplace where students would go onto the platform. They'd say, hey, I need a lesson on this topic. And it would immediately connect you with the teacher. It mm. wouldn't send you to a calendar. People were like logged in, sitting on their computer, yeah. ready to go. Okay. Yeah. Real live teachers right then and there. And it would be pay by the minute. So the student mm. had full control over the session. So they were able to just close down the session whenever they wanted. And so that was a great way of sort of giving control to the student, where a lot of the marketplaces just were sort of a flip thing. Um, unfortunately, that lasted about two weeks <laughs> because all of the teachers we had on there loved it for the first week or so. But as soon as they had to start all teaching online, it was very much, okay, this is cool, but we need our students now. Um, well, yeah, and- it, it, what, what a pivot too. I mean, we, we had talked about this previously, but to be in a position where everyone else is freaking out, especially on the teacher side of thing, like, oh my yeah. God, what are we going to do? What do we do with our students? You guys had inadvertently prepared yourself perfectly <laughs> for this exact situation. Uh, when things were coming on the pipeline, like in January or February of that year, did you have any idea that you might need to make that pivot or did it just kind of feel like, yeah, it was that, pro- that's that thing happening in the distance, you know? Yeah, it was, it was probably like the second, it was probably the second week in February mm-hmm. when we every basically we had like a couple hundred teachers on the platform and almost every single one of them was asking for the same thing so we're sitting there going well this is literally the opposite of what we've just been working on for the last year and a half and i basically had to convince my team that everything i had just told you is Mm -hmm. wrong and that the year and a half we just spent building out this technology is great but we need to pivot now And it was one of those things where I think there was enough news starting to brew that everyone was like, okay, this is different. This makes sense, yeah. And because we're quite a lean company, at the time, it was still just me and my dad really doing most of the work. So it was very much just a conversation to say, okay, we got to do this. And, you know, there's another guy in the company too at the time. And he was the one who was like, we really need to do this. Yeah. And so we're like, "Let's, let's just do it. So we pulled the plug on the whole marketplace thing and swapped it over to a bring your own students. And then it was basically a race because it was, we had built a bunch of tools, but it was like, okay, every request was, I need this, I need that, I need this. Yeah. And it was basically like, okay, like that, that was the stuff we had put on the roadmap for the next 18 months needed to be condensed down to three months. Mm. And we did most of it and we got a ton of things out, but it was very much a, a learning curve on, you pivot and move quick. And well, if when we, you're that agile too, like, man, it, I yeah. think sometimes like having those deadlines helps to get the things done faster. Like I'm sure it was, a, it was wild in your schedule. You guys are probably not getting a whole lot of sleep or like eating or anything like that, but you're getting the work done in a, in a way that now, I mean, gosh, two and a yeah. half years later, we're looking back at it and thinking like, oh, thank, thank, yeah. thank goodness that we've got this platform yeah. and we've got everything figured out in time, you know, saved us all this other energy in time. Yeah. And, and you never know. I mean, it's a gamble. Yeah. You have no idea if it's going to work. You yeah. you spent a year and a half honing your skills on something, and then you're in a weekend flipping it on its head mm. and just hoping uh, that what you've done is right and that you're yeah. not just you didn't just destroy the thing you spent all year yeah. working on. And fortunately, we were right. You know, it was the pandemic. Obviously, was much worse and much more severe than anyone had initially yeah. thought. So it just, it lasted longer than we thought it would. Mm-hmm. It hit more people than we thought it would. So for us, the growth was unexpected entirely. 
And so that, you know, and still for most of that time, it was still just me and my dad um, because, you know, we're just, we're growing quick, but we're still just trying to play catch up. Yeah. Um, so we really didn't have time to like fold people into the business and train them. Well, and yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Like how are you going to onboard them entirely yeah. when you're trying to like, oh, you know, you're coding for 20 out of a 24 hour day. <laughs> Literally. And so, and, and I was redesigning every feature that I had previously designed. And so, you know, I'm sending these design schemes over to my dad. He's trying to whip up the code for it and send it back. We're testing mm-hmm. it. We're using it with our teachers and trialing. It's, it was chaos, honestly, but yeah. It was, I mean, now it's, I look back and it's kind of like a fun memory because it was so fun. Like it it was so much fun to have this ridiculous challenge just thrown on our laps. After four years of very much cricket, it was, Mm -hmm. you know, we had run that other product for a long time and we actually sunset it January, 2020. Like it was literally Mm -hmm. a flip switch kind of thing. So we shut down the old program and rolled in the new one. And then it was changed the new one to the newer new one. <laughs> and, then, and then it continued. I mean, yeah. uh, not even a year later, half the teachers were like, all right, we're going back to in-person. So we're like, okay, we need to build in-person tools again. Mm. And so we started going back through that route. And so there's a lot of like back and forth, back and forth. And now it's much more of a stable. We kind of have a good idea of what the industry is going to look like for the next 10 years. And I think we kind of got our hold there, but yeah, it was a, it, it, it was a bit of a mess to get, to get to where <laughs> you needed to get to. Oh my gosh. I mean, like I, I joked at the beginning, a wild ride. And I know you'd kind of give me the short version of that <laughs> a, a few weeks ago, but that that's just shocking. Okay. So I want to, I want to jump back to the beginning. Yeah. I have so many questions because I feel like this is just mind blowing. <laughs> Uh, first question, when you were in high school and you're yeah. looking at going into school and, and you had mentioned that you were interested in technology. So I, I'm sure that's what was influencing some of the production kind yeah, of ideas definitely. too. Okay. Um, had you shown any interest in that point at doing any kind of software design? Like, had you built out anything or like, I don't know, I'm, I'm imagining Jerry rigged machinery in the, the basement recording yeah. studio to do what you'd wanted. <laughs> Probably the closest is we. I've always been a tinkerer, so I've mm. always been messing around with things. But I, I never got go- actually good at software development or anything because I was ended up always being pushed to the design mm. side of things. Sure. So as much as I would have loved to have actually become a competent coder, um, it, it just didn't land. But yeah, I, like in high school, I took like the website development course, and I I actually remember I. For some reason, I wasn't in the class for the first like month or something. I must have had like a different class and then changed it. I can't quite remember, but I remember just playing catch up the whole time. And by the end, I was like, "Oh, I can make websites now!" <laughs> like, and so, like, and that had always interested me. I used to build robots when I was a kid. I was oh. on the, I was on two robotics teams as a awesome. child. Um, so that stuff had always just been in the world of huh. my life. Um, and my dad being a software engineer, there was always five computer screens in the house. We were the tech family. So like when the first iPhone came out, my dad rang to Apple. Oh yeah, early adopter for sure. <laughs> yeah, I was like 12 and I had a brand new iPhone. And it's like, I had no idea what to do with this thing. It's like, but my dad just loved the tech. So that's awesome. that was very much involved in the house. And then, yeah, I just was the producing side of things I did. I love playing with like the software and I like, mm. you know, all the reverb EQ and all the, the compression, everything. Yeah. And that was always fun to tinker with. Mm. And then when I found, but I guess as the band started to fall apart and I started to see the reality of how hard it really is to become a producer and 
what skill sets yeah. are actually needed, it started to push me just away. And by then I was like, I don't, I just don't want to do it as a job. Yeah. I'd rather have that still as a thing I can enjoy. Well, it's interesting too, because obviously you're not afraid of a challenge. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, I think the, um, I, I don't know. I, for a lot of us, what draws us to music is not like you can't do other things. You don't have other interests, right? Yeah. I, I'm sure you talk to musicians like this all the time that are like, yeah, you know, my other thought if I wasn't going to be a musician is I was going to be a doctor or a lawyer. Yeah. Or like the, the, the list is like these very, you know, kind of brainiac things. Yeah. Um, but I think it's kind of that common thread is like a lot of musicians are not afraid of a challenge. We're yeah. constantly stretching ourselves and learning repertoire and taking things on that are outside of our yeah. comfort zone or knowledge base. So it's not surprising to see a musician, you know, kind of follow this path, but it's also so fun to hear how you've taken those two passions and kind of like married them together to make this incredible, yeah. this incredible yeah, situation really, really for yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, unintentionally. And, and I still work with my dad, yeah. <laughs> you know, and literally from 13 years old with the guitars in the basement to 30 and, you know, That's running a so software cool. company, it's like, We've, we've still just, it's not just the two of us, but like, it's still the two of us that, you know, <laughs> make all the final decisions and, you know, determine how, what the future is for the business and all that stuff. And it, it's, it's odd. Definitely. You know, there's definitely days where I'm like, this is surreal still. Mm. Cause like, I don't, I never really thought that it would work. I mean, I always assumed it had to because <laughs> it had to, but you know, there's always this thing in the back of your head, like, this isn't going to work. This is crazy. Like, what are we doing? And, you know, then when you see it actually start to work, you're like, oh, okay. Like people are signing up. They do like this. We are doing the right thing. Like, and those just, it's very imposter syndrome. Like it's, you know, I still feel that a lot. Do you think that some of that imposter syndrome comes from the fact that you're a musician only like working tangentially in music or do you feel like some of it's just like again I'm just doing things I've never done before and that's where a lot of that's coming from in general regardless of my identity previously being a musician yeah oh definitely the musician part because mm. I grew up thinking I was going to be a guitar player or a producer and then you and then te and teaching was always kind of like the the backup plan, I guess, you know, at the time I was like, no, I'm not going to teach. Why would I teach? I can do all these other great things. And then the minute you start teaching, you're like, oh, it's not a backup plan at all. <laughs> you're like, this is, I actually enjoyed this way more than I was enjoying sitting in dive bars on Friday nights, waiting to go on stage. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> you know, so at a certain point, you're like the quality of life I can have doing this is much, much more, more what I actually want than mm. what I thought I wanted. And, and, you know, it is a weird road because you do go down so many paths thinking you're going to do this. You think you're going to do this. Even with the software, I thought the first thing was going to be the business. Then I thought the second thing was going to be the business. Then I thought the original music was going to be the business. And now I kind of have an idea of what the business is, but only four years into it. <laughs> you mm. know? It's, I, our careers are never... I, okay, I was doing a presentation yesterday at Miami University and we were talking right. about networking career development <laughs> i put on one of my slides like you know well i asked a couple times like what do you guys do, do you feel confident like do you know what you want to do with your life and like i, yeah, I would say like 75 percent of them gave me a little thumbs up and if you dig into that a little bit more i'm like like 100 percent, you actually know what you want to do and all of a sudden like the little fingers start dropping like well i think i might be a performer and we all kind of know that when we're in school but also there's this mindset of like 
I'm in school to do this thing. So of course I'm going to do the thing. You know, yeah. I'm going for performance. Of course I'm going to be a performer. I'm going for producing. Of course I'm going to be a production, you know, working yep. in production long term. Like that's obviously what's going to happen. And then you get into the real world and it's not that the real world like takes that away from you. It's just that yeah. there's so many other opportunities that you didn't see. Yeah, that, I, I like how you phrase that because I feel like people think that it's mm. being taken away from you. Yeah. And that's not really true. You, you're you the one deciding at the end of the day. Like I put down the guitar. I'd like mm. That was my choice one day. It was not something I was happy about. I was very yeah. begrudging to put it down. <laughs> And I actually put the guitar down and did not touch it for almost two years. Mm-hmm. Like literally, I just had to stop. And because it was, and I teach a bit on the size and stuff, but it was, I did not play it for any enjoyment purposes at all. Because it had just been sucked out of me. Yeah. And I was so focused on being that famous rock star that, you know, by the time that dream was truly crushed, <laughs> you were like, oh yeah. But you have to look back and you go, I made these decisions along the way to do these other things. Mm-hmm. And if I could have just never put down my guitar and kept going down that road, and who knows, I very well could have done it or not. I don't yeah. know. But yeah. I'm, I'm very glad I went this way because I do enjoy what I do now. But it's so weird because the skill sets that I use are nothing that I was trained on. (laughs) None of the degree programming trained you for this. Yeah. No offense to Berkeley. (laughs) Great school. Great school. We're not saying anything negative. (laughs) You know, it's like great school, great teachers, great network. But at the end of the day, I probably would have been better going to like a a normal school with a tech program and a design program. Because literally my day to day is like using Photoshop to design software. Mm. And so like I actually build the entire product in like series of images so that the dev team has an idea of literally what it's going to look like, um, not so just cool. a schematic or something. So that's sort of weird skill set that I've kind of taken on. And <laughs> that's sort of my thing now is I'm a software designer, I guess. <laughs> Which, well, and, yeah. And, okay, like, yeah, we can look back and say like, oh, I probably would have been better off. But also, you know what musicians are looking for in the software. Like, you yeah. are a musician. You have you have been a teacher for several years. Yeah. You know what they're priorities are and of course you ask to do market research and things but having that personal preference of gosh if i was the one in the classroom it would make a lot more sense for this button to be here has to help make the product better a hundred percent i it's vital that the team behind the product is part of the industry because it's even like my dad's experience as a professional drummer yeah it's 40 years ago now but that is instrumental to him being able to understand what it is i'm saying yeah you know and and it is I I'm fortunate that I actually take lessons on music as a student um, from a piano teacher. So I take piano lessons and I teach guitar lessons on the platform. So I get to literally use the platform in all normal capacities as a user. And then <laughs> I'm over here on the side, be like, hmm, we should move that over there, and that should be there, and this should go over here, and and you know, and it is now very much our teachers that drive it. There's thousands of them and one of me so you know their their ideas usually usurp my ideas now um but i like that because it's it's also showing me all the different ways to teach and all the different Mm -hmm. things that i never would have incorporated into my own teaching Mm -hmm. and now i teach way more than i did but like in college when i kind of gave up the guitar for those two years once i finally got back as i hit the ground running again and i loved teaching ever since and like 
that's I make sure that I have time to teach, even though music takes up ninety nine percent of my time. <laughs> you know? It's like answering uh-huh. <laughs> like chat support while I'm teaching isn't the best, but you know, it's like you got to do what you got to do. So, yeah. but you know, my students get it too. They've all been with me for a while now, and I think that for them it's kind of cool too. Like they've got to, and they all have a personal input. Like. There's literal features I could point to in the product that I could be like, oh, this student is the reason Mm. for that thing. And this student's the reason for that thing. So it's really neat. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, and and I think what's so cool about your journey and your story is that you are working so closely with your family the entire time. One thing I was thinking about is you're talking like the benefits of of your dad's experience and what you guys have built now is there's so many online lesson platforms like if we're thinking about like zoom and i mean skype and facetime and things like all the things that people tend to initially gravitate towards none of those were made for musicians so the sound quality on them is disastrous at best like there are some platforms that we are not going to be slanderous on this podcast <laughs> but i have had l- lessons recently online where i'm like how is it getting worse like every yeah. update that gets made <laughs> the audio quality declines for music i don't understand i can't hear the whole upper range of the clarinet yeah. Anyway, but when you're in those situations, it's frustrating. So having someone, I mean, gosh, especially as a drummer, like yeah. we are pushing the limit of any kind of audio input. On <laughs> he knows what that looks like. Fucking <laughs> drums. It's like if those can get through nicely, then your your piccolo and your cello and your violin and your guitars are going to sound great. It's oh, the, that's hilarious. You know, yeah, if you get simple to sound good through a computer, then you've figured out most of the the problems. Oh, that's and, awesome. Yeah, and, and like I was saying, it's part of being part of the industry, right? It's like, because we were musicians, are musicians, are technology specialists as well, you know? And so there's that weird blend that, mm-hmm. you know, the company, they always, like, investors are always looking for the, why you? Like, why is your team the team that should be doing the thing? And in our case, it's just this weird combination of skills that we happen to have. It's like, I happen to have a very good understanding of education technology and the ability to design software. My dad just happens to be a very, very high level software developer and have the experience of being a professional musician. So it's like, that's a match made in heaven. And we've been working together for so long that to us, it's like, it's not even work in a way. Like we don't think of it like, you know, it's not like work mode and family mode. It it very much blends back and forth, but that's kind of how we are anyway. So it works really well for us. Yeah. You're at the Sunday night dinner table and you're like, Hey, by the way, I had this idea. (laughs) Like this thing just popped in my head. (laughs) My mom and sisters hate it, but like, cause we'll, we will literally start talking about something and then all of a sudden we're diverting down this path. And then we're like, Oh, what about, hold on. And then we'll (laughs) literally walk into the other room, start doing something and then come back. But for us, like, we've always been like that. Like, if it yeah. wasn't this, we would have been doing the same thing with music or something else or, like, little random projects. It's just kind of how we've always been. So to make it a business is really fortunate. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's a dream, honestly. It's yeah. not everyone's dream. I think that's something that you have to sure. be kind of clear about, too. Like, not everyone wants to work with a family. I get it. Like, we get plenty of comments about, like, oh, my God, you work with your spouse full time. I'm like, yeah, but that's, like, that's always been our thing. Like, we've, we wanted that. And... In that relationship, I think it's important that you have those boundaries that you're comfortable with yep. and excited about. So I'm glad that you guys have this like long-term working relationship that seems like it's just so yeah, clear the- and, and succinct. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's easy because it's we've literally known each other forever. So, you know, we since have... You, since you've existed, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we have like a way of communicating where we hardly even have to say anything. Mm. And things can get done at a much faster 
you know, pace than if you have a huge team that you've got to explain everything to every single yeah. time. You yeah, know, the trick is always trying to fold in new people into the team. That whole onboarding process is very much a learning curve for me, yeah. you know, in the, the early days of trying to be like, okay, this is how we've been doing everything forever, but that doesn't actually make perfect sense when you start adding more people to your, you know, your, your thing yeah. and you've got to change it. But, you know, that's part of the fun too, is that's the, the next stage of the learning is how to, you know, keep building as a business. And for me, it's taking on the proper CEO role or mm. you know, whatever you call it. <laughs> I was, that's the one that always gets me. It's like, I don't feel CEO is the right title for what we do. You know, it's, you know, we're the co-founders and the people who are in charge, <laughs> but you know, it's like CEO just feels too grand or something yeah. <laughs> we're too corporate yeah, we're still yeah. we're still playing drums in the basement together so you know if we were ever actually have a physical office i'm sure there'd be a band practice room in the office you know it's like oh that's awesome <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. So when you guys, I want to like pivot back to product number one. So you, you get out of school and you've got this product that already is in development. It's already you know existing and everything because you, you made it while you were at Berkeley. Was the vision at that point coming out of school clear? Like, I want this to be the full time or were you still like, this is a project and I'm open to, like I'm, I still might want a gig. I still might want to do other things. What were you thinking at that point? That was definitely the point where the guitar was down and okay. that I was no interest in touching it at all. Mm. Um, I didn't really even want to work in music that much anymore, but we'd already done all this work and I had a degree from the, you know Berkeley. So I'm like, well, <laughs> kind of have to go this way. I think. I'm stuck here. So, yeah. <laughs> so we sort of just kept running it. And we did a lot of the, in those days, it was very much like the startup era of 2015, 2016, when every company was getting their like billion dollar investment to, so we were doing a lot of like incubator pitches and things like that. And I think that kind of drained me a bit because we just weren't the right company for that kind of thing. We don't need $50 million invested into us. That's not right for this industry. And so it felt a little bit like people were like, no, no, no. And it's like, man, that's a lot of no's, <laughs> you know? Mm. But it was one of those things where I was like, we're just looking in the wrong place. And it wasn't until we actually put that product to bed and started really working on Musi that I started to really understand that and that we were just looking in the wrong place for a really long time. And then we started looking in the right place and <laughs> that sort of solved the problem. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that was a learning curve that I almost frustrates you because you look back and you're like, man, I feel like I wasted so much time mm. back then, like just kind of poking at random things to see what would happen. And then, yeah, it just sort of clicked eventually. But I think that's also just a product of doing it for so many years that eventually it's, it has to click. You land. Yeah. <laughs> you invest enough energy, it's going to come back at some point, right? Karma, right. whatever. It's got to circle back. Do you do you feel that we should normalize the whole putting the instrument down thing? Because I certainly got to that point, like right around the beginning of COVID, I was having really bad TMJ issues. I was still teaching the whole time, of course, but I wasn't playing as much. I look back at that and I'm, I mean, I'm glad. I think I needed a little bit of that separation too. Yeah. Do you feel like that's something that you wish more musicians like were given permission to do? Or would admit that they do do. So <laughs> Because Fair I think enough. it's one of yeah. those things where it, it, at the time I felt like a loser, honestly, because mm -hmm. I like I felt like I failed at all the goals I had set myself. Yeah. And and I had these like two years in the first two years of college that went really well for me. 
that felt like I was on this perpetual train of that life was really going to like take off. Like we actually, the reason I'd taken that semester off was we actually were going on a tour and we Mm. were going to tour for the entire semester and the band fell apart a few weeks before the semester started. So I literally just ended up stuck. And so, so that, and I'm glad that happened though. That month or three months off of school, while all my friends were still going to school. I still lived right there. Like I was still in the, bubble like I didn't move or anything so I was still living with my roommates all going to class I was just going to work so mm. you know and then I was like I hate going to work I want to go back <laughs> to class <laughs> so, so that I think helped but taking those times off I think was uh, crucial if I had just pushed myself straight back into school I never would have found the entrepreneurship department mm. I've never found those startup labs I would have just gone right back to the production major because that's what I had the most credits in and then I would have just followed that to the end and I would have been pretty miserable and because I just know that's not me. So, you know, I, in the hindsight, I am glad. And even with my putting it down for a few years after the fact, when I finally picked up the guitar again, we actually wrote an album the year that I picked my guitar back up. My old, the old band kind of got back awesome. together for a week and it was like, it was me, the guitar player. Um, and then we kind of filled in the rest of the, the band with new guys, but that was sort of like a, okay, like I still got it. Like I can still do this. And that kind of helped me feel like, okay. And, but it was also a nice nail in the coffin for yeah. the band because it like was a final. Chapter closed. Yeah. And it's yeah. actually funny. We just recently started talking again because it's the 10th anniversary of the first album. And so we're thinking maybe we'll go and do something, but not under the same name, not under the same brand, just a little fun side project, just for the enjoyment of writing some tunes. Yeah probably not even maybe do it anonymous even mm. you know so it's one of those things where we can just do it and not have to feel like it needs to be comparable to the thing we did before yeah. but I think it's important because if you just drive yourself down the hole and you just keep driving yourself down the hole you're not going to yeah. climb back out and you know if it means putting the guitar down for a bit or it means changing career paths for a bit like I ended like I was working in those software companies for a year and a half or so where I basically, my all day, every day was that. And I was doing a little bit of, you know, my company stuff on the side, but it got really pushed down to like an hour in the evenings, Mm. you know? But I almost think that I needed that, you know? I needed to go learn from these other divisions. I needed to go and learn how to sell. I'd never done a single sales thing in my life, you know? It's like, I sold pizza. That's not hard, (laughs) you know? It's like... They're all coming to you. (laughs) You don't even have to. (laughs) Where, where you know now I'm cold. Well, ranch on the side of that, like that, what, so, what's the upsell? That was, and then I was an Uber Lyft driver for years. So like my skills were like talking to people, yeah. which I was good at, but I had no ability to sell anything. And sales, if you don't have sales, you don't have a product. So fair enough. You know, fair enough. Yeah. So you know, you have to learn those skills. And and if I hadn't taken those steps back, it's very likely. I would probably have just gone into music teaching as a private solo teacher and then never developed anything around that. And I would just Mm -hmm. be doing my own sort of studio, which is fine. And I still love the teaching, but after doing this, it's like, Oh man, now I don't see a world where I could just go back. It's like, and anything I do from here on out is like, well, I'm going to have to have side projects. (laughs) (laughs) Multi-passionate, right? (laughs) That's kind of the buzzword these days. Well, I think it's important to, to touch on the fact that most musicians are like, I think that's a pretty common theme. Like I'm sure 
anyone who's listening to this is probably listening for the same reason. Like they have other interests. They're not just trying to do whatever they're doing right now. And they're exploring options and, and opportunities in their career. If we're looking down that rabbit hole and trying to figure out what to do next, it can feel overwhelming and also don't feel like you have to just do where you find, like go where you find the opportunity. Like it it seems like what you guys have done in your past products and even with the original Musi is like, we're not necessarily looking for a quick fix. We're not trying to be like the thing that solves everyone's problems. We see a need and we're really excited about it. Like it's also fun. We're passionate about it. Not just like I'm plugging this hole. It's, you know, more of a a passion project than anything else. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I okay. feel like if it was a plugging the hole kind of operation, you'd burn out so fast mm. it wouldn't be funny. It's you these this job is relentless. Uh, like the real truth of it is fifteen hour work days. Yeah. I mean that people tell you that I saw a great clip the other day. I don't know if it was some famous rich person, and basically they were like, "I love when you know, young kids come to me and they're like, I want to own my own business so I can set my own hours." Mm. That is the most incorrect way to think about running a especially like a tech startup yep. or something is you don't get to set your hours <laughs> they dictate your hours to you if someone needs you at midnight and you don't have employees to fill that gap yeah you get up at midnight the amount of times especially through the first year of musi i was up literally 3 a.m to 5 a.m doing calls for people in australia and because I just had to, there was nobody yeah. else that could do the job. So, you know, and the, like you miss every holiday, you miss every personal interaction, every single dinner I've gone out with, with my partner, Mackenzie, I have ruined by having my phone and answering <laughs> emails and support yeah. and like yeah. doing work at dinner. And still to this day, it's still, it's still there. <laughs> you know, there's, yep. there's, it's like, a, I think like a misconception that, once you kind of grow a thing, you get to like step back and not do you, it gets harder and harder. Right. The more people you fold in, the more responsibility you have. The second you hire somebody else, it's your responsibility to make sure they eat. Yes. It's, it's, it's now you are in charge of their family. Yep. It's like and your family. It's it's so much more stress. Um, but there is something very, very rewarding about it. There's the constant, and I love the constant work. I'm not the kind of person who can stop. So I almost get annoyed on the days where I'm like, what should I do today? You know, <laughs> yeah. like, you know like, is anything happening? Like I, I get so confused when I don't have those stacked schedule. And those days I end up floundering around and really not doing anything productive. <laughs> I call that people- slothing yeah. <laughs> around here. Like it's a Sunday and I have no work to do and I don't understand. So I'm just going to lay on the couch for five hours. No, I really don't know what to do with my life. <laughs> I just recently started getting into this game on my iPad and I bought an <laughs> Xbox controller so I can play the game oh, on my nice. iPad. And I was like, I've got my whole little setup. I've never really gamed before, but I found this to be like a very therapeutic, like when I need that, like, well, nothing important seems to be going on. I'm going to go sneak over here and play <laughs> 20 minutes. And it's like, it's uh, kind of fun, but yeah, I, I like the constant work. I think that's just who I am. So that's just part of my personality. I know a lot of people, and I had this conversation with a couple of friends the other day that they were all saying how much they love nine to five jobs which they they love the fact they get their paycheck, they get to go home and at five, nobody gets to bother them. Yeah. Where for me, 
that sounds like the worst thing in the world because <laughs> I, for some reason uh, must be a masochist and love the idea of people bugging me at 10 o'clock at night. Like it's, I just like that constant sort of push. So uh, yeah, it's definitely a personality trait to be able to, to run these kinds of things, but it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of work, but it is, it's fun. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, it is fun. I would definitely wouldn't be doing it if I didn't actually really like it. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Are there, as as, a, as the company has grown and you guys have built your team and everything, I, I do think a natural progression is like, yes, obviously the responsibility grows and the stress in a lot of ways can grow. So it's not like we get to slack off or have more free time yeah. or anything, but are there... Um, maybe boundaries that you've set in your work-life balance or like things that you found to be really helpful for you to manage all of that stress that you're working through? Yeah. The, 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 and it's the famous learning to say no. It's mm. the, the, I, I did this yesterday. Um, sorry to, if you're watching, <laughs> you're going to find out exactly what I, I lied. I wasn't out. I was at home. I was in front of the computer, but I, the, basically someone was asking, can you meet right now? Mm. And the answer was no. It's seven o'clock in the evening. I'm putting together a TV in the other room, trying to like hang it on the wall. Yeah, they needed some help. I still provide the help as much as I can through email yeah. and chat, but I shouldn't have to be on call like that. <laughs> so yeah. those are kinds of the things I've started to be a little bit more. I used to say yes to anything. I yeah. mean, like you could call me in the middle of the night and I would have gotten out of bed and I would have got dressed, put on a thing and done a whole presentation for you. And I have done that many times. And at a certain point, yep. you just have to accept that from 10.30 p.m. to 5 a.m., you don't get to bother me. Those are, And that's not a big window. That's a, that's a really small window of time that I'm giving to myself. It's quite literally how long I sleep. Um, but to me, I used to literally ruin my own sleep to, to mm. work. And it became such a problem that I was like physically yeah. drained, physically done. I couldn't wake up properly. I was having, I was in a terrible mood all the time and I couldn't figure out why, you know, because <laughs> like, yeah, the brain capacity at that point. So diminished that you can't put the pieces right, together. Exactly. You're already so out of it. You I don't, don't know, know what the problem is. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, those things I think is, is, uh, and I should have put those rules in place way earlier. Hmm. I don't think I needed to expand the team even before I should have started enacting some of those policies. But for me, I just, figured and thought that I had to do everything all the time. And if I pissed off one person, then that was a failure to me. And and they say, don't take your business personally. That's a lie. <laughs> you will take it so personally because you should. It's your thing. If you don't take it personally, then why are you doing it? <laughs> you know? So yeah, it's it's much more, you're much more involved than you think you are, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, I, I think putting boundaries up is crucial. I mean, and teachers, it's the same thing with my own lessons. I had to no, yeah. learn to say no makeup lessons. I had to learn to say no refunds. I had to yep. I had to teach myself all of that stuff because I was the pushover who was, oh, I'm so sorry you can't make it. Here's your $20 back. And here's, oh, let's reschedule for tomorrow, even though it's completely inconvenient for me. <laughs> like, yep. And it's like you bend over backwards so much. And then you realize they're just walking over you because they've right. realized you're a pushover. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you don't think of yourself as a pushover. You think of yourself as accommodating. 
Yeah. I'm like, this is great customer service. I'm really helping them. And in reality, like I'm getting got every single step of exactly. the way. Right? Yeah. That's because you think you're doing something good. Like you yes. think you're actually helping, but you're really creating your own problem. Yes. And at a certain point, you're the only one that can pull you out of that rut. And you just have to have a real conversation with yourself. Are you comfortable yeah. losing a couple students? If not, then keep working until your eyes bleed. But you should be. You should be okay losing the ones that are abusing you. And go and yeah. find the ones that don't want to abuse you and actually appreciate you. And I've even found, you know, if I, I used to do demos for as long as the person needed it. <laughs> and those could go on for hours. Yeah. And it got to a point where it's like in demos for an hour and a half sometimes. And then I realized that it was really a coaching call. Mm-hmm. Like the first half was a demo, but then it turned into this whole like, now we're just talking about everything you're yeah running into issues yeah. with and like i'm just solving all your problems for you yeah. which is great but maybe i should get paid for my time <laughs> and it's like and then i actually did put out a coaching program so i can nice. be like hey if you want this it's over here and that has drastically cut down sort of the overuse of my time yeah um and that because we're we're still a small company to in this perspective of how many users we have there's tens of thousands of people on Musi, and there's a handful of us and so the ratio is insane it's thousands to one (laughs) but we've kind of got it down now where we we can do that but i think people sometimes misunderstand that they're like oh there's only a few people here it's well we make it look like that so that you don't feel overwhelmed yeah (laughs) you know but really there's thousands of them and a few of us and we've just got to juggle until it you know to make it work but Mm few years in it's working you were talking about the rooting like holidays and everything and i had this like very vivid flashback to a thanksgiving when i was in graduate school and one of my students parents on thanksgiving at like eight o'clock at night i was settling with my family i think we're gonna watch elf or something uh, tried to facetime me to show me that the student was playing for their family First of all, I've heard that piece every single week for the last eight weeks. Thank you. I don't care anymore. I know it sounds good. Thank you. And also, like, it's Thanksgiving. Like, leave me alone kindly, professionally. No, please stop. That was my, like, clear wake-up call. Like, oh, my God, I have to put boundaries in place. Like, I've been way too nice to people that this Mm -hmm. is the, the... this is literally a decision that they thought was a good idea. Like, they sat there and like, you know who would love to see this right now? Kelly, like, we should FaceTime her into our family Thanksgiving. She's not with her own family. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's just because people think, even the your single teacher studio, but people treat you like a like in a corporate entity that's yeah. got like some reserved soldiers that can come and do some work yep. for this. Like that's not how it works. Until you that's know, inconvenient. And they're like, oh, but you're just one person. And don't you really, really need us to stay? Don't you want to do every single thing we ask of you? Like, and then they'll, they'll flip it back around on you, which is always frustrating too. <laughs> yes, very much. I, I, I was actually just dealing with that recently. I had a I think I might have told you this. I had a student who was taking four lessons a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I gave him a discount because it was a crazy amount of in payment for each month. A few months later, three lessons a week. A few months later, two lessons a week. And then all of a sudden, it's one lesson a week and they're still getting this crazy discount. And you're like, well, hold on. I have to up you to the real charge rate. And they're like, well, no. Why would I do that? Because I've been getting... And you're like, well, hold on. Because <laughs> like, that was agree. a discount you're paying 400% yeah. of your current division. <laughs> so I was cool with limiting that a little. But yeah. not, now I'm losing money 
It's like, yeah. and they, I eventually have to, you know, I had to have to actually fire that student eventually because mm. it, it just got too much. Where's my makeup lesson? I'm not paying for this. I'm not doing that. And it's like, well, you're on auto debit. So <laughs> I already have the money, <laughs> but yeah, it just became too much. And, and you have to put your, you know, you have to put up your boundaries. Um, and it is very difficult. It is. And especially because I think when we, okay, I'll put myself in a, in a teacher's shoes, right? <laughs> they're working bizarre hours yeah. <laughs> and they're, you know, they're teaching from, you know, two to eight in the evening. And then when they're done, they're still maybe in that work mode. And that's when they're coming to you and asking for questions and you know, asking help mm -hmm. and things, but they might be 9 PM Eastern uh, or, or let's say 9%, 9 PM Pacific. And that's 10 PM your time. And you're settling in for bed. And it's just kind of this weird cycle yes. that we're in. At the same time, you know, they're expecting an immediate response from you. At the same time, when their students come to them and say, I need that makeup lesson or I need you to call me right now, they're frustrated. Yes. And it's such an interesting mindset that we're, we all fall into. Like, I, I'm not saying this is like anyone's fault. We're all guilty. We Definitely. all do it. Like, yep. when I ask for something from a service provider that I'm paying for yep. education yep. for or something else, of course, I'm going to want more flexibility than they're willing to provide me. And they have to set their boundaries with me. Likewise, I do that with my clients, with my students. It yeah. is a really weird cycle. But finding those boundaries for yourself is really important. Absolutely. And I think you, you nailed it there, which is, and like, I, you know, I teach you teach like, we're, we're not, you know, talking bad about teachers. No. We are guilty of this. Mm -hmm. but <laughs> I do a little ironic sometimes, um, sometimes how even teachers will talk to me or talk to my team through the chat support. Yeah. And it'll be very like rude. And you're like, imagine if your students spoke to you like this, mm -hmm. what would you say to them? Yeah. You'd tell them to get lost. I can't do that. Or, so. or you'd be in one of the music teacher Facebook groups screenshotting yeah. and complaining about it. Exactly. <laughs> which, exactly, which, right? which we all do again. Like that's not a bad thing or anything. It's but we all it's do just, it. Like i I ran the chat support music. I still am actively on there, but like I ran that thing for years alone. I am so guilty of going to chat supports and being like, hello. Hello, where are hurry yeah. up? Like I'm annoyed now. Like, <laughs> like it's like, and I have to stop for a second and be like, it's actually probably just a real person on the other side who's getting a cup of coffee yeah. and computer right now. Like he's got 18 yeah. chat windows open and I'm yeah. number 18, so I just yeah. gotta wait a second. <laughs> and I think people sort of always overestimate the capability and the size of companies too. Mm -hmm. Like any company, you look at them, you're like, oh, they probably got like 50 employees back there. It's like, do the math real quick. 50 people at 50 grand a piece. You're like, yeah. we're looking at millions of dollars. You pay $10 a month, my guy. Yeah, <laughs> Where do you think that's happening? And, and actually, that's kind of the funny one that like, I get a little of a chuckle out. Like, Musi's $24 a month because that's the national or the international average half an hour lesson. Mm. So $24 is the average from it, it globally of what a 30-minute lesson should cost. We charge that for the whole month. <laughs> the amount of teachers who will be like, oh, well, it's more expensive than Zoom. Why is that? Like, well, we don't have 84 billion customers, so we don't get the luxury of scale. And um, actually, this should probably be about $200 a month, but you wouldn't pay that. So yep. we can't. So we have to that. go do the scale ourselves. Yeah. So it, it's a hard place to be. And then you, when you're getting feature requests and things too, like, I don't know. I, I think maybe the, the point of this whole conversation for anyone listening is like you get those requests that really irk you. And <laughs> yeah. when you get them, like you get to take a breath, 
and you have to handle it with a smile on your face and provide your great customer service so that you can maintain your business or your work or your product, whatever it is yeah. that you're working on, right? We even have to do it sometimes in family. Like someone will say something well, like, I take a breath and then I can respond. I'm going to walk away. <laughs> right. And I think it's so helpful, whether it's, you know, a software that you're subscribing to yeah. or a service that you're using or, you know, your own private lesson teacher, if you're still studying yourself, just remembering that like they also have those reactions and those thoughts and those feelings. And so when we come in hot, <laughs> yeah. we have to remember that they also need to take a breath and they're also yeah. going to have to process that and respond to it with their best customer service. And, you know, <laughs> If we're all a little nicer to each other, right? Like, it goes a long way. Be kind, everybody. <laughs> but it, it does. It, it does go a long way if it's just. And we understand, like, you're only ever coming to a chat support when you're frustrated. Oh, you're only for ever. Sure. You're not coming to leave praises. Yeah. <laughs> like you're texting your teacher in the middle of the evening because you're frustrated about something or something yeah. not working right or something. The lesson time is wrong or whatever. Like, it's not usually to be like, you're the best teacher I've ever had. I love you so much. Like, Happy Thanksgiving. That's, really, like, that's not the text we get. Like, yeah. you know, I, I'm sure every teacher right now listening to this is cracking up because mm -hmm. they're like, yeah, I've never received a thank you text. Yeah. <laughs> but I've gotten a, a list of angry, like annoyed, frustrated. Oh, yeah. and, 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 you know, at the end of the day, we are all customer service. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, any kind of business where you're teaching or you're providing a service, your customers and you're the service. So you've got to do it, but it can be, it, you know, if you, if you're not careful, it can be the thing that drains you and really ruins everything oh, for yeah. you. And it's usually only the mini minority. I mean, almost always it's oh, the yeah. two or three people who are constantly kind of getting under your skin, not the 17 or 25 other kids you've got who are fantastic, who show up on time, pay every week and, you know, and that's where I was saying earlier, like at a certain point, you have to have the confidence in yourself as a business, as a person, as a provider, whatever yep. it is you're doing to say, I don't need your business. Yep. And not in a rude way, but in a confident, because I can go find it over here where some, where, you know, I will be happier and these customers yeah, will appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you know, the, the, there's a lot of talk about like the perfect client. And I, I don't know if the perfect client exists, but you should be looking for those types of people anyway. Like you should still kind of pursue that path because you're much more likely to find them if you do follow that way instead of just throwing out, say, welcome anybody who wants to yeah. $5 lessons. Come, you know, come one, come all. It's like yeah. don't burn yourself out trying to do that. It's just not realistic. Yeah, absolutely. Something I said earlier today on a session with a, a client was um, she's in a really high point right now. Like her studio is going really well and we're all excited about it. And I said, this is the time to create a nice file, like start going in and, and screenshot testimonials and nice text messages. And, um, you know, she's going into schools right now and she got some great feedback from a band director. I'm like, write that down. Even if they didn't send yeah. you, like write down the quotas, you remember it, attribute it and keep a note on your phone or a folder on your computer with all of the nice things people have said to you. Because in the next month, you're going to have a day where it all goes to hell in a handbasket and you're miserable again. And I, I wish that wasn't the case. And I don't mean to do that to, to like say it, to bring you down to reality or anything, but it, it will happen at some point. And when it does, you just want to be prepared because yeah. I kind of picture like this tolerance is like, when, we're, when we first started a business, we have like a little, um, like a little saucer. And then over time yeah. it kind of grows and, you know, it might be a, a cereal bowl, then a mixing bowl. And that might be a huge vat of tolerance. So it used to be you bottom out every time that something negative happens. Now you're just skimming off the top. But part of that skimming off the top is having your nice 
file and like remembering why you do what you do so the bad things don't totally derail you or take the whole day away from you or anything i literally have a nice file no joke like i genuinely have one i have an entire folder that is screenshots of comments on facebook or whatever i've seen them of people being like oh it's the best platform though they're the greatest team oh it's whatever the nice thing they said even behind your back which is amazing i mean you guys get a ton of testimonials people just comment and you're not even remotely involved it's so cool yeah because those are the ones where it's like as sometimes people send them to like somebody else will send it to me they're like hey i saw this in a group and it'll be a screenshot some person i have no idea who they are i'm like they must use music and it's funny (laughs) i said this perception where i knew everyone who was using the platform Mm. literally can't make sense because you can't know more than a couple hundred names or faces so there's literally thousands of them so there's no way i actually could know it but i always had this like illusion that i was like we're all really well we all know each other (laughs) i knew everyone i knew whatever it was doing Reality is not at all. There's like 20 that I can probably actually tell you what they're doing. And the rest of them just use the product and go tell their friends. And like, yeah. and that's a really neat thing. And I think that was sort of like a little when the imposter syndrome stuff starts kind of coming mm-hmm. in too. Because you're like, oh, now these strangers are talking about me. Uh, like actually the other day I yeah. Googled my own name and just every so often just to make sure there's nothing terrible at the top Fair enough. and I, I found a i found like two or three things i'd never seen before that were like youtube videos of people talking about the product or things that like a i even found an interview i did years ago that i didn't even know i'd done <laughs> so Surprise. stuff like that is good, right but it's it's neat to see the that like it's grown beyond us like it's now not me telling people to go and try music it's people coming to the platform and telling me that their friend told them to try it or somebody else, or they saw it on a podcast or something like that. And that's really cool. That's kind of the surreal, like, oh, wow, this is bigger than me now. It's, yeah, weird. (laughs) Imposter syndrome, but also you just feel, it's not even imposter syndrome, like you just feel so small all of a sudden. Like all these people know who I am and know that I exist and I don't know that they exist. Like I was on a TikTok live the other day and someone chimed in and was, like leaving comments and questions they're like oh yeah i'm from australia i love your content i'm like oh yeah you're like cool we made nice it to, to meet you <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> that's yeah. wild but it is such a it's such a wild ride and um I, you know i, I want to commend you and and i think you do such a good job of being a positive friendly face in the music community and like being a part of facebook groups and answering questions and chiming in on things and you know reflecting everything we just talked about like just being a kind person and being helpful you reflect all of that so frequently and and so regularly that i mean obviously people are attracted to to the company and to you and now it's growing to the point where people maybe maybe even sign up and they don't even know that it is yep. you on the other side but they're just signing up because they heard the product is awesome and that's so cool yeah that's no, so cool. for me i think that was like the that was probably the moment when we started seeing for us i think it was when we started seeing countries pop up on the map that we're like, oh, yeah. we've never done anything in Nigeria. And now there's 10 schools in Nigeria using it. That's like, how wild. did that happen? And then you sort of go through and you find that, like, literally there was a guy online who saw a post and he told a couple friends. And before I know it, we are now the central platform in this town in Nigeria. It's like, that's, that's weird, but that's wicked cool. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> that, that is like, and then... You know, when you start seeing like the numbers, not just users and things, but like how many lessons have been conducted, how many students have been helped. And it's in the hundreds of thousands, it starts to boggle your mind because it's like, I never thought, like I thought we were going to help 
some teachers like because when the pandemic we were just scrambling so yeah. we just thought we were helping you know as much as we could and then to see it actually become sort of a staple of people's education I think actually the moment that I knew Musi was sort of bigger than me was we got a photograph sent to us from a teacher and it was a student's notebook and on the notebook they had put the Musi logo all over the notebook because to them that was music lessons and oh their music notebook was their like this was their like physical version of their digital like product oh that's so sweet and, oh my god yeah and it was like a little kid who had done it he'd like hand drawn the logo over and over again and it's like that one hit me hard because oh, it was I love like kids. right it's just like they don't even understand how much that could possibly mean to me it's like that's oh. the accolade of the century there because it's like I, I, I used to have the whole, like, I want to be on Forbes 30 under 30. I want to be a rock star. I want to, you yeah. know, all these things. And it's like, you start to grow up, you're like, I want that little kid to have had a good experience in his lesson. If that occurs, that's the world. And, you know, it's when you start seeing it over and over again. It's, yeah, it, it's weird still, but it's, it's really cool. It's, that's awesome. Yeah, I got very lucky. That is awesome. Sam, it's been so fun talking today and exploring your career journey and how this how this all came to be and what you guys are working on. Oh my gosh. Hey, final like kind of wrap up question. Um I mean, obviously you guys don't have to share anything major secret or anything, but what do you guys have coming down the pipeline at Musi? Like what are you most excited about right now or what projects are you guys working on? Yeah. We're actually it's actually kind of cool where we've just so because of Tonara closing down with mm-hmm. uh, we inadvertently kind of prepared for that over the summer we had built a whole bunch of new practice tools oh that's cool. and then we launched them all on september 1st and then literally three days later we found out tonara was going to go out mm-hmm. so we've had a lot of tonara users move over to musi so we're we're heavy in the practice side of things right now that's awesome. so building more practice we had actually intended to sort of pivot we'd like spent all summer on practice stuff and we were going to go and work on some just bigger back-end tools and then we we're like, well, let's keep digging down this road for a little bit longer. <laughs> so from now to the end of the year, we've got tons of more practice tools coming out. So anyone who was on Tonar will have literally everything that they used to have. That's awesome. And more. Um, and then we have the big secret project, and this is technically a secret project, is our resource center. Oh. And this is the thing that I'm the most sort of amped about, because this is the first time we not, my rule is if it helps you teach or it helps you learn, then we'll build or we'll look at it at least. And this almost breaks my rule, but not quite. Because the idea is we're going to partner with content creators, course providers, other software companies, publishing companies, podcasts, anything that is the continued education of a teacher is going to be provided inside the platform. Mm. So you'll have access to people like you, that you know, courses and things that provide the extra learning that you don't pr- normally get once you leave college. Oh yeah. You know, there's too much emptiness once you get out of school. And even so maybe sometimes trying- in school, but that's a whole other conversation for a whole other day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go down that rabbit yep. hole for sure. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. You know, so when they come out the other end, there's a lot of like, oh no, what do I do? Yeah. And it's like, if we can give you a solution that's like, here's how you teach, here's where you teach, here's how you, you know, here's literally the whole environment of your education. So you can continue your education. The students oh, yeah. can continue their education. 
I think that's sort of what Musi is and really where we've kind of been going with this from day one. And now we're at a point where there's other companies and other people that want to get folded in with us. So it's a really exciting opportunity and sort of an excuse for me to go and like knock on doors that I've always wanted to (laughs) and never really been like confident to. So it's a little bit of like a guilty pleasure. But oh, that's awesome. Fun. Yeah, and remember it was a secret project, everyone. So don't yep, say anything. <laughs> our, our little secret. Oh, that's awesome. Sam, I'm so excited for you guys. And I really appreciate you sharing so much today and going down plenty of rabbit holes with me. But this has been so much fun. Um obviously everyone listening, I highly recommend that you check out Musi. Super, super cool program. Sam is obviously a wonderful human. He and his dad are doing great work. So check it out. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I really appreciate you having me. It's been a blast. I love these kinds of things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for being here.